This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Hate will release their 11th full-length, Arak Gates of Valus, via Metal Blade Records. Arak Gates of Valus is a titanic record that is both organic and dynamic sounding and may well be the finest of Hate's storied career. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash hate. Once more, new record by hate. Purchase your copy now, metalblade.com slash hate. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. I am your host, Better Spite. I am always joined by the wonderful Brandon Hahn. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And the lovely Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me at Twitter and Facebook at Jocelyn Sharp. How nope. sexist of you, you son of that a bitch. That was a deep breath that she I couldn't <gasps> help it. When Did somebody calls me lovely, I'm like, yes, I am lovely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. I'm so lovely. Yeah. I can't. This voice isn't the voice of someone who's lovely. So yeah. I have to give you a voice. It's not a lovely mouth. <laughs> I mean, you're not a dainty gal. No, no, no. And if you guys want to follow me, Rise to Offend, Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, get to talk to Skyler from He Is Legend. I'm absolutely excited for you guys to get the new record, White Bat. It's fantastic. It's coming out June 28th, guys. After the interview, we will play a couple songs. But before we get to the interview, we always like to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks news. And this week, it seems like the, the, the big news story that was kind of hilarious on the internet and on the site's was about Corey Taylor's new mask from yeah. Slipknot. Okay. Last week, I think a week before that Rock Am Ring was playing and they did the the Slipknot show, you can live stream it, right? Yeah. So I was like, cool, man. I live streamed that and Tenacious D and some other bands. It was cool. But I, I watched it. And when I saw him performing with the mask, I did say like, well, that mask is pretty crappy. Like yeah. It, it, looks it, it like really those... came out like, like with the professional stills, it wasn't as bad but when you see him live with that mask it, it virtually looks like yeah pretty bad what, and I, I would like to forgive myself and for advance for speaking against tom savini because i do love him very well, much well we'll get to that tom savini's the guy who created the mask but, but we'll just start off with the the mask that itself. looks like you know those like new pre-made facial masks that women buy now yeah. where we just yeah. take them out of the pack and yes. we put them on our that's exactly what it looks like to me see, see to me it looks like you just cut three holes into a piece of bologna <laughs> and just slapped it on his face you know it looks super comfortable Right? Well, the weird part is the coloring for me because it's like really light through the center but dark around the edges. It's just very strange. Well, I, th- I think that's because he's got you know paint underneath his face. Oh, smart! Like he and so the mask is probably the see through. Anyways, it's it's just a lazy mask. So the internet had a blast with it. I mean, every single. Two second version of I'm going to create Corey Taylor's mask and put it on Twitter was hilarious. It, it, moments the like this. The milk carton, the guy uh, the cut milk out. Cart, the milk like, carton was, dude, so funny. The, the, on Metal Sucks, the pickle is my favorite. Oh, the, the pickle, pickle is yeah. my favorite. So if you go to the Metal Sucks article in the comments, somebody posted. Yeah, basically <laughs> they cut three holes into like a pickle slice and they held it up in front of his girlfriend's face and all you could see is the eyes and the mouth through the pickle. It was so uh, funny, dude. That was creative. So yeah. as the world was hating on this mask, so some guy, I don't want to. I don't want to. Just say it. I don't want to be mean about it. Corey Taylor's mask, and I'm going to just read what he wrote, okay? Because he uh, 
He loved the mask, apparently. Corey Taylor, not what you're thinking. I don't know if this has been pointed out yet. My apologies if so. I've been seeing the back and forth on his new mask. Some love it, some don't. I get it. It's not catchy or scary enough. It's Slipknot. It's supposed to be next level visually unpleasant to the average person and whatnot. I personally love it for reasons I have not noticed pointed out by others yet. Corey's mask is a really close comparison to a mask I had to wear for almost two years called a TFO. Transparent facial orthosis. When I was five, I was in a house fire. I suffered third degree burns to my head and face that required substantial skin grafts. Well, when you suffer massive burns to your face, you might be fitted for a transparent facial mask that is meant to compress the grafts to prevent swelling and minimize scar tissue. That coupled together that my mom would coat the inside with aloe vera to prevent sticking and promote healing. Needless to say, it was not a pleasant thing to look at. And boy, did it make me all sorts of popular at school at that age. Okay, that's a little brutal. Okay, well, Corey responded to this wonderful Reddit thread. He said, wow, I'm humbled by that story and so glad that it could explain something I was trying to describe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, my mask was you, bro. That's basically what I was going for. Like, that's what I don't get is like, he's just like, there. what is that? What con- it- continuing with what Corey said real quick before we, we jump on it. This album is indeed about rising above the pain and being reborn. And the mask is also a reflection of it all. So not only did he take this guy's Reddit thread of his tragic circumstances to jump on and be like, you nailed it. He also said don't forget the new records about that as well <laughs> well first i love i love how it's got a story it's like a bad tattoo or something like why'd you get that butterfly right above your butt well i wanted to get it to remember my uncle it's just like there's always like some kind of like this dumb move who, who, who gets a tramp stamp to remember their uncle brandon know. you got a story to tell yeah. us <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great <laughs> yeah I do have a. I do have he has a, a tramp stamp gay. that says Uncle Buck. Yeah, I do have it. <laughs> like rest in peace, bro. I don't understand when people like tell a random story about their life and they're like, "Well, I like this because it reminds me of me." I'm like, "Great, thumbs right. up for you." Like, I, I, I think the point is, and, and I see what you're saying, and I'm not going to say anything because obviously this is a, a very traumatic time for this guy, and he's related to no, that. No, it's but wonderful. Corey Taylor could have said this before this guy did a Reddit post if that's what it was really yeah. about. Right. That's all I'm saying. He could have been like, you know what, my mask. It represents this. You got, have you guys seen this? And that's the thing. And it's like, and instead, he, it sounds like he just heard this horrendous negative, and he was like, "Oh, let me put a positive spin on it real quick." Well, now <laughs> we can't talk shit anymore. We're like, well, we're not going to talk shit about the five-year-old burn victim. That's of course fucking I can, brutal. Of dude. course, I can talk shit about J- the Jocelyn algae mask. Candy. I don't care. <laughs> Lovely Jocelyn, can. Lovely Jaws. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. She does it with her pinky out. Yeah. Do you want to know? I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, us on the Metal Sucks podcast here, what do we all think of Corey Taylor's mask? Go, Brandon, good or bad? Uh, it's He could have done better. Joss? I prefer the aloe vera ones. They get you a much better glow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely could have done better. How about Tom Savini and anything Tom Savini, as we were mentioning, the horror icon, anything he does, I, I it'd be hard for you to say, like, no, do something different. I'd probably take whatever he gave to me. But uh, he, he phoned it in on this one for God, sure. Can you so. imagine if that's what happened? If Tom yeah. handed over the he mask and Corey Corey's like, like, I accept. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to fucking make you redo it. Right. I mean, cool. Did you melt this in the microwave before yeah, you brought it right. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what would happen. He left it out in the sun and he's like, oh, fuck. And he's like, oh, Corey won't know. I'm There's just, no <laughs> way. There's no way Tom Savini didn't do that uh, while watching baseball. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, here you go. Fuck it. Who's yeah. Corey Taylor? He probably like, you know, like, dude, yeah. he, he totally did not like, yeah, he took a couple bong rips. Oh, shit, the mask. He he wasn't doing uh, Salma Hayek and from Dust Till Dawn. He's like, I'm not worried, too worried about this. We'll make this work. So, but it was it was pretty pretty easy for him. So, moving on, guys, two movies. 
because we brought in Tom Savini, one of the greats of all time. Segway. Segway right to. <laughs> we make fun of Glenn Danzig a lot on this show. He's the best. Glenn I just Danzig is someone that just constantly gives us fodder because of, of his amazing ways. Now, I'm a huge fan of Danzig and his records. Well, of course. And the Misfits. It's the Misfits. So it's, it's odd that we make fun of him so often. Can I, play? I like to say, I like to always just add that, no, I'm a fan. Okay. But can I, pl- can I butt in and I feel like Danzig is like punk rat grandpa. Like everyone loves him. He's like family. You know, like when we make fun of Danzig, it's, be- it's because he's like a family member. Yeah. Us. But the thing is though, is he's like, you're right. He's like a family member, but he's like your racist grandpa. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Where it's like, you can like him, but you don't want to introduce your friends to him. Yeah. The know? chance of the chance. Of, I'm not inviting him to the wedding. Not saying but. Danzig's racist, but what I'm saying is, is no, it's, it's like, it's an example yeah. of what he'll say something in the room to make everybody be like, mm, okay. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so tell me about your motherfucking bricks, Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys haven't heard glenn danzig um he was creating a feature film something that as we all know rob zombie has done time and time again um and glenn danzig's like you know i'm gonna do one of my line of erotic horror comics that he put out a long time ago called verotic so he signed a deal to write and direct and compose music for this anthology mo- movie based on those comic books well it is called verotica and it premiered in Chicago on June 13th, guys. And the reviews were, wow. It was a misfire of the highest order is the headline that Axel put on the uh, article. But they're comparing it to The Room and other horrible, horrible films. The now, Room, by the way, is the James Franco movie. Well, that, no, first off, Jesus Christ. It's, the Tommy Wiseau movie. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, oh, no, it's the movie that James Franco made about, remember? Like, he he played Tommy Wiseau. Just, yeah, yeah. The, the movie with the bullshit happy Hollywood Andy about, uh, about the Tommy Wiseau movie that James Franco made. Yes, but The Room <laughs> is its own me. thing. Yes, you, okay. you need to see The Room. Yeah, wow. The okay. Room is its own thing. Go Google The Room and watch some of the clips from The Room and you'll see what we're talking about. It's literally the worst acted movie i've ever i've ever seen and because of it it's got a cult following and they compared it to the room plan nine from outer space all these horrible movies well and then i stopped and thought i'm like what why would glenn danzig think that he could create a make a movie i do like though that the the review is so medieval like they got a guy who like had a monocle and like had a long tailcoat to be like it was a misfire of the highest order. Like, that's like so. It's such like. If you go to the articles, it's uh, you can read the reviews from Bloody Disgusting and AV Club, and and yes, actually they are very. The words they use in those reviews are exactly like Jocelyn described. They use big ass words to say this yeah. sucked. It was, like, pers- <laughs> it, was, it was a personal affront to my morality. I am scandalized. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good time, but I felt weird. <laughs> but I felt well, yeah, weird. They, yeah, there you Is go. That a That's exactly what it was. <laughs> no, the thing that uh, he puts out in the news story, if you guys haven't read the story, is that the, one of the things he said it was worryingly funny, and I don't even know. Like, and, and Axel points that out in the article. Worryingly funny. What does that mean? Like, I'm scared. I'm gonna laugh. Like, what does that mean? No, exactly? in other words, it's so bad. It was funny. Like, but I think you're that's worried what it was. about it. Well, like, I don't even Danzig. think those words come together. We have bro. to watch this movie. What what no, he, we're going to watch this What happens this if Danzig movie? throws some hot French onion, soup, French onion soup on you if he doesn't like your, re- you know, your review? <laughs> the that's, guy. That's, what, that's what racist grandpas do. Right, exactly. You make up by bringing him a chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is there a grape pube in my tomato soup? Danzig! Danzig! Uh, this is a misfire of the highest order. I'm going to rape your mother today. <laughs> I got something to say. <laughs> I put a pube in your tomato soup today. Why do we have the most fun making fun of Danzig? That's what I'm saying. Best. That's why I always like, I always want to say, like, we like Danzig. We're fans. We love Danzig. Yeah, he's, I've seen him live so many times. I'll go to his shows all the time, but we talk so much shit on this show because I, he's hilarious. So anyways, we decided because making movies is fucking really hard and the fact that people think they can just pull movies off is amazing. We decided that we can probably make a trailer to yeah. a movie that can be on the level of The Room or Veritica. What I do you mean on the level? I can definitely We, we think work. this movie is better, maybe. Maybe this movie is not as worryingly funny, but we know that we can hit a misfire of the highest order and this is what we came up with. He had it all. I really do have it all. Until he lost everything. You're firing me, but why? The company's going in a different direction. It's because of my chicken genitals, isn't it? Well, take a look, you bigot. Security! How far is one man willing to go for equality? I don't mean to offend you, but it's kind of distracting. How dare you? You're my lawyer! True, but do you have to take your pants off in my office? I could have just taken your word for it. I'll have you know that although my penis may be a chicken, it's also an American. An American with rights. From the makers of Dumpster of Love. You wouldn't know what it's like, damn it. Your crotch doesn't molt. Freedom of beak. I call to the stand the plaintiff's penis. (laughs) The prosecution rests. Civil rights won't be cooped. Yeah. That was based on Philadelphia, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> you got a chicken dick Philadelphia thing? I love you. <laughs> I was so moved by Denzel Washington's I know, performance. I know. That... Explain it to me like a six-year-old. Yeah. First of all, Denzel Washington is the only actor who could win an Oscar in chicken dick. Okay. Yes. I, I want. I just want the, the mindset is that we're, we were talking about Philadelphia, the Tom Hanks movie on... that if people haven't seen. Um, we talked about that uh, weeks ago on a kids episode of Rise to Offend or other podcast, and we somehow came up with a bit that linked a chicken dick to it. Yes. Fucking love it. Chicken dick is becoming its own thing. It really is. Hashtag chicken dick 2020. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. my, favorite, my, favorite, my favorite part about chicken dick is Pete doubted it. <laughs> and now it is. I got to tell you, that trailer is worryingly fucking fun. <laughs> I don't even want to know what a chicken dick looks like. I'm scared to watch that oh, movie, man. but I'll laugh. I'm going to start putting my Photoshop skills to work. Can you see a guy it. just leaning back on a stand with a dick that's a chicken just talking into a microphone? Yes. Because that's what was in that trailer. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. exactly what that was. We're going to have to act it out. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, you're playing chicken dick, asshole. Of you course. wrote the bit. Of well, course. I'll <laughs> tell you guys this. I bet Skylar didn't see that being the segue to the interview. But. <laughs> Skyler, that's what it is. So let's jump into my interview, guys, with Skyler from He Is Legend. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Skyler from He Is Legend, and we are here to talk about the new album, White Bat, which is coming out June 28th, followed by a quick week of headlining shows. But, Skyler, let's, let's, let's start off with the bullshit that recently occurred on tour. Um, someone broke a window in your van and, and stole many personal items, including insulin. Tell us about that experience and how it all ended. We basically played the whiskey in Hollywood and um, had a killer show. It was really awesome. Loaded our van, 
uploaded the trailer. Um, you know, went went to pop down. I mean, it was after it's like you know one o'clock, one thirty before we finally got out of there. Or, you know, around you know around one. And uh, we popped down the Rainbow Room for a drink before we, you know, hit the road and got back to the van. And I guess somebody had been casing the joint and, like, casing the joint. Um, but, yeah, they, they had, uh, I guess, been watching us because we were only gone for, like, 30 minutes. So they bust the window out, stole a bunch of our our personal bags, um, laptops, jewelry, you know, just, like, a lot of sentimental shit. And, uh, yeah, um, I had a bag of my medicine um yeah and they they got away with my sugar water essentially um but yeah that's how it ended we we talked to the cops and um had to file a police report and we were rummaging around in like dumpsters and shit around the venue for hours trying to figure out what happened or you know if there was like any real idea of what happened but you know it was classic smash and grab job i mean they clearly knew what they were getting or knew what they were doing. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, in any other city, it would be like, oh, yeah, cool. Maybe there's hope. But, like, in downtown Hollywood, it's like, come on. Yeah. Those cops, shit. I mean, nobody gives shit. It's just, like, the way it goes. But yes. yes. Uh, you know, thieves, thieves aren't cool. No, absolutely. No, I live in Las Vegas, and I, I don't want to talk too badly about the cops. But, yeah, they tend to. It seems like you're annoying them. Well, I mean, I, I would understand. I can understand. It kind of is annoying, you know. Yeah. I mean, like nobody gives a shit about your own personal possessions, but like for us, you know, it was like we're in a band. We don't make much money. It's like don't steal from a band, and for somebody to like do something so common, and then the cops would just like be like, "Yeah, well, I'd like to tell you that you that you know there was this is more than just a bad day, but you had a bad day. I'm sorry." Yeah. And now you had a 20-hour drive to Austin, I think, right after that show for the next show. And uh, how did you replace, like, the, the insulin and stuff like that? Was there a... Luckily, I had... I mean, I, I put something out on social media about it. And luckily, I mean, fans came through. I had... Um, we had people, like, making us food and, you know, just bringing us, like, goodies to the shows. and So it was really... A, I mean, it was awesome. Our fans are, are something else, so... I had people hit me up and come through with, with um, the right kind of insulin that I use. And um, luckily enough, my girlfriend had sent me out. I'd run out of uh, one of the, the long form insulins. I mean, this is the most like least rock and roll bullshit I could ever talk about. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it all, it all worked out, man. I mean, obviously like little things like sentimental things that we'll, we'll never be able to get back um, that stings, but. Yeah, you know, we, they didn't steal our gear. We didn't have to miss any shows, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, there's always there's always a positive, I guess, in some ways when you think of it that way. Um, have you guys ever dealt with still this? Silver lining, um, but I but yes. I still would have loved to like squeeze that person's head off. But, Dude, you, you know, know what? What's, what's crazy is that I, I there was this, it's not a long story, but there was a situation where this kid robbed my mom's car. She got out of her car to get like a soda at a grocery store. And he just jumped in and drove off, right? And um, we found the car and I found the dude that did it. And then you look at them when you're face to face and it's like all that rage before, but then you see the person and you're like, oh, this kid's a mess, man. You know, like it like sinks you like lower. You're like, I can't even get to this level. But like, I remember I, I had this. I like at this point in time, I mean, I've, I've dealt, I've got, you know, 
people close to home that are dealing with addiction and yeah. i mean it's a true it's a true problem you know you see what people will do you know sink to the levels to to just be you know just to be just to get by get day to day like to get score bag you know and it's like it's a it's a it's troublesome but it's also you know like in the moment i mean we would have just fucking rage pummeled a dude yep. until they until you know but at the same time yeah you see you see what you see what it's done i mean we've you know we've we've wandered around the streets until like five o'clock in the morning just like like looking when maybe one day i'll be in la and i'll see some dude just wearing my fanny pack like you know like okay cool go time exactly no and trust me that reaction is is definitely exactly i think how you should feel it's it's sad yeah i don't remember growing up um and seeing the problem as it as it's occurred this generation but i could just it's not gotten, it's gotten it. worse obviously yeah yeah we're seeing a different side of it absolutely man so i do I, we got to talk about the new record i just wanted to check in on that whole story i'm glad that there's a silver lining to it all and, and it worked out for you guys but the new album white bat um you did state it, it has a moodiness and heaviness you haven't uh ventured in a while tell us about the creation of those vibes for this record we um i mean we've 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 had the same format writing format for a while and i i feel like it's you know it's kind of a comforting thing we don't we don't switch that up really so our our format to write records is always the same we go into it kind of knowing what we're going to put down when we get in the studio we've we've done months and months of of uh you know basically prep for you know on the day but um i don't know just kind of with this record you know having jesse involved and having this like this kind of jesse jesse basically played most of the well he played the entirety of the release few um even though he didn't record on it so we were itching to get in the studio with him and vice versa and so it was just kind of like this organic thing that happened but the energy levels were just like through the roof and i think from that and from like you know just just everyday wear and tear of being on the road and and normal things that kind of speed bumps that you hit it it evokes this this moodiness that we we had once before i think we kind of revisited um yeah i mean it was it was, was not unlike recording other records but this one has like a vibe and a kind of a magic surrounding it that was different than all the others now going in you said you demoed it those songs and things like that with jesse so did you were you concerned at all as capturing that or did you just know that it would work out uh i mean i've jesse's probably one of the most professional people i've worked with in a long time also like one of my favorite drummers so i had no doubt and obviously like i mean i i I'm very confident in the band itself and, and the talent that we have. So, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think anybody was ever worried, um, about that. It was mainly just giving people the creative space to do what they want. That's kind of how we've always operated is, you know, just allow people to go and, and, you know, you, you're a drummer for a reason, like, you know, go, go do it. Same, same with vocals, same with guitar. Like we just give people space to, to do what they want and be creative and, um, I mean, that's kind of how we've always worked. We've always done well with that. So no problems there. But yeah, was, uh, you could feel it on day one, like when we first started tracking drums and it's just like an uh, energy that was there that was different. You know, it was like kind of kinetic and in the air. And so we, 
yeah i mean you could definitely even even down to like you know I'm, i do vocals kind of alone out in out in la with mitch or or in carborough with al and um this time i went out with mitch and it was um just a different vibe like there was a totally different vibe to this record um just just kind of around it you know like nothing nothing different but the way that we work it's just like it just seemed like a different process now there's a single you recently put out it's called burn all your rock records love the title love the song dude but tell us about this track uh it's just kind of like a a riot song you know it's um i kind of had these like like distiller stooges kind of like i don't know like old 80 more more of like 80s influenced punk rock style vocals that were just kind of running through my head normally i'll have something like that that i kind of scrap at the beginning because it's like the obvious first choice of of a melody and normally i'll take my first idea and and like ditch it you know dump it for the first you know couple of days and if it comes back then it's like well that's obviously what's supposed to go there um but yeah, it kind of, you know, obviously it's, it's, um, this whole album is under the guise of a, you know, fictional character, but this is definitely telling and, and it has kind of a fuck you riot vibe, which I dug. Nice dude. Yeah. Now rock and roll used to be so dangerous, you know, and, and, it, and I, don't know, I don't know if it feels that way anyway, anymore in the mainstream, like it used to when we were kind of growing up at a certain time. Yeah. Um, and that song kind of, it felt like there was a capture of that danger, but to get it out to the public, you know, like, and, and have them feel that, um, right. is, is that even within you think the artist's power or it's just gotta be like, a, a the fans? I think it's a, I think it's a projection of the times that we're in, you know, I mean, I feel like the music gets more dangerous when, when the times are dangerous, you look at bands that are coming out right now and you know, bands with staying power like Slipknot and Fever 333 and these bands that are like really questioning um, how complacent we've all been over the last, you know, 10 years. And I think that a lot of what's happening in rock and roll right now is, is urgent for sure. I think that we're all kind of realizing that we're that like we all have to like step up and be be better and and yeah there is like an amount i mean we've always been a whimsical band um i've never wanted to really throw like any political shade or or you know like i i feel like our our band is lighthearted in in a sense and i usually write lyrics that kind of project um uh, yeah and more of like a fictional kind of horror vibe but um I mean, it's it's undeniable what we're what we're all waiting in right now, and so I think it, it definitely shows through, even if it if it isn't on the nose, it, it it shows through. And yeah, I think that bands like you know bands that are doing it now and that are really like that have this way and this this voice, yeah, it is about it is about a danger, but maybe a different kind of danger rather than it being about, you know, just like fucking and drugs. It's more, it's more about like the urgency and, and, uh, how, how I guess society as a whole is in danger. I completely, we all relate to that. There's like an aggressiveness in personalities now that I felt was like the laid back version is hard to, 
walk through life as easy as it used to be in my mind. I don't know, at least in my environment for sure. It's like, I just, there's so much aggressiveness around me and fear in the back of my head, you know? Um, it's a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I think with social media now, Mm -hmm. we all have like, we don't, we don't have a chance to question what's going on. It's just a matter of like, well, we, well, we know that this is, you know, there's like an impend, like there's an impending doom, I guess. And, and there's no reason to question because we know it's coming. So there's just opposition. And I think that's wrong. Obviously, like, you know, we, we don't, we don't question how to change. We question just the ultimate end. And that in and of itself is like, you know, it's dangerous just to, just to have that thought process. But yeah, there's no, uh, there's no debate anymore. It's just like, I'm right. You're right. You know, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, not to not to push those buttons, but yeah, it's it's uh it definitely wears off in everything you do. I think you know, any creative endeavor that you do. I mean, I think that you have these 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 things weighing on the back of your mind, regardless. You know, if you write fucking children's books, you're still gonna you know, somehow have that weigh in. Yes, you're right, dude. Completely. I remember when that recession happened, like about ten years ago. Now it seems like yesterday. It just happened ten years, but I just remember how art was different how the environment in like movies or film or TV or, or music, it was just different because the times were rough for people. And there was always a little bit of that desperation in all those forms. You know, it was a weird, it was a weird place, but I noticed it. Like if I see a movie that was made in like 2011, I can see that kind of vibe to it. I I love how art can escape the surroundings, I guess, of the world. Yeah. It imitates imitates life right yes is what they say. i mean and i think that i think that what we're dealing with now is just like uh, just a and we've been dealing with it for ages but just a barrage of information so we're all overwhelmed and nobody knows what's you know what's true and what's good and and that's that's where like rock and roll really has its its staying power is that we've like we are the escape you know like we are this this dark corner that that you know the youth can can run to and i i feel i feel pretty like um just fortunate to to be a part of this this movement that's happening now because it's obviously different it's obviously um i mean we've had our voice in that for a while but now it's just like you know i i don't know maybe it's because our fans have all reached a point where we've grown together and we all know what we're what we want i feel like a lot of bands have that fan base that's current and and with it and they know you know they know our insides they know our our day-to-day story with with social media and like you know like first question you asked me is about a per- personal moment that i moved on from you know a day or two after it happens I mean, it sucks when i'm like where's my watch oh yeah that fucking like bastard stole it but yeah it's uh, you know people can see that day to day so they know like they know when i'm down they know when i'm up they know when like you know if we're announcing a, a dope tour or our records coming out that we're obviously going to be like excited and cool things are happening so we're all in kind of a we move in this in this moment together now whereas before there's a there's an amount of mystique and and uh i don't know i think I don't, not that that's all gone i mean we we keep a distance for a reason but i think that it's it's way easier to to be symbiotic with your with your artists now and feel this amount of personal connection that maybe we didn't have before so that could be one good thing that's coming out of this whole this whole craze of us all being ultra connected but 
um, or I wouldn't say craze. I mean, it's definitely like a, like a, a movement or sickness or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, you know, we're all just hyper connected. And so I feel like art is kind of having to push through those things to be like, you know, to, to push back, I guess it's, um, it just seems like, yeah, we're just in a new, a new era, a new dawn of like, of, of creativity, which is, which is pretty cool to push, you know? Mm, absolutely. I, I really like how you said the feeling is that you're overwhelmed and I think nobody likes that feeling and we all feel it. That's very like poignant in my mind. I'm like, that's, that's exactly what it is. Is just, you're, you're overwhelmed and it's like, what do you, what do you yeah, do? Yeah. Regardless of what you believe in, exactly. at the end of the day, we're all, we all just have too much information, you know, we're, exactly. we're all like, so, I mean, and, and, you know, like, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Just we're all like headline readers. Nobody reads the whole article anymore. So we're just like, you know, we think we know everything and that's kind of, I read something not long ago about how like, like the, the real, the real test of, of knowledge is that like, we all know a little bit about, about a bunch of subjects and nobody's an actual expert on one thing anymore because there's, mm -hmm. you know, because you have the wealth of knowledge at a fingertip. So it's kind of pushing us to not, be, to not be real, um, like to not to not really be masters of a craft or anything like that so interesting take on it especially when you look at what we have to do to be musicians what you know the the things that we that we put ourselves through to to gain talent and knowledge you know it's it's uh it's that's that's why you know like i i feel like in the early 2000s there were like so many fucking bands, you know, like so many bands, we're in, just so many everywhere you turn, like everybody was in a band, everybody had an album out and like, you know, giving you your CDs. And now maybe, maybe it's backing off a bit because people don't have the time and, and passion to, to continue a craft anymore. Um, maybe that, maybe that's bullshit. I don't know, but it seems like, like we're kind of like, we're, we're, Maybe all the random bands that were around back then have kind of, or like the people that would be doing that now have picked up on something else. You know, maybe they're twitching video games or whatever the fuck. But uh, it seems like the bands that are coming out now are actually have this, this, uh, I don't know, they have an amount of talent that might have been lacking in days past. So it's like you have to push a little harder to get something out of that, maybe. I no, I think I, I, I like what you're saying is that you're saying you, you got to realize the attention spans are shorter and starting over is easier. And now all of us yeah. in our life at this point, like I, if we bring up the recession type of thing, we've started over so many times. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. where other generations, it's like it was I always say it, it was just slower. And we have to we have to slow time down for ourselves, you know, in order totally, yeah. to, totally. to find some sort of peace in the day in 24 hours. We have to stop and be like, let me step back from all this shit. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do because we want knowledge. That's like a human thing. I just want to know yeah. everything, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's Agreed. that's crazy. And not to, to stick with social media, but I did want to bring up a post that you guys put on your Twitter. And I want to make sure it was from you, though, but there was a, a post of what five albums have you listened to the most in your life. Was that you by chance? Yeah, that was me. Awesome. So, um, And one of the records you brought up uh, is one of my all-time favorites. It's by Blind Melon. It's Soup. And, oh, uh, dude. Like, the most most underrated albums of all time thank you yes and I, I i bring it up all the time on the show i'm like dude blind melon because i feel like Sh shannon hoon 
uh, for people that know, don't know, and I, it sucks that I have to say that, but he had he was really uh, he has a really unique legacy because it was cut really short. Yeah. But to the common man, he's like a one hit wonder. And right. And, and soup right. was. I mean, I I think Galaxy did more for me the first time oh, I heard it than yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, it's um, it's like a magnum opus, I, and there's there's so much alliteration on that album. Like, um, he's he's. He was my one of my first just like favorites, you know, and like seeing him strung out with like baby doll clips in his hair. And I was just like, this is a fucking rock star, you know, like, but I was 13, 14 years old, like really just diving in. And I happened upon soup as a as a kid, you know, I mean, but but now still being able to throw it on and like toes across the floor like the second that that comes on it's, i don't know it's just like yes. such a the album is the album is a masterpiece for sure and i and i revisit it very often um yeah definitely one of the albums i've listened to the most and it's it's just a it's a gem man if, if you haven't listened to it i i beg you to start the finish just like you know like the songs about egg Gein, you know like um just just kind of kind of pointed me on a path you know like just his writing style and uh, like the use of wordplay and alliteration like that the first lines of um talking to myself now or whatever it's called um he says needle fetal someone's pouring warm gravy all over me it's like okay well you're a junkie so it's i guess that's you're explaining that in some situation um yeah, it's great, man. I love that album. So it's sad that he had to go the way he did, but you know, some people burn out. Do you? Do you? And now this is going to sound like kind of a. I don't know if it's going to sound like a dark question, but because even like like you're bringing up, I'm just every track that goes through my head. I'm like, I don't even like songs like Mouthful of Cavities, but when yeah. that track is so amazing, you know, like it's it's poetic in a way, right? Yeah, we, I mean, go he definitely was poet for sure. Yeah, and. Uh, but we know that he was deep in, into that into into heroin at the time and all that stuff before his passing. And yeah. do you think that that plays an important factor of what came out of that record? I'm talking about like the genius behind it. Do you think the drugs did assist in Shannon Hoon's um, greatness? I don't think I don't think the drugs are a conduit mm. for for music. I think that um, a lot of times you're forced to, to cry out for help through, through your situations. I mean, obviously we know that, um, a lot of great music comes through pain and, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of great art comes through pain and turmoil and darkness. But, um, I don't, I don't think that the drugs are what make those records good. I think that maybe it's the opposite that, I mean, if you could push yourself to write in a moment of sobriety, then what comes out of that? I mean, obviously that's kind of a, it's a mixed bag, but I think that, I, I think that maybe his, his inner, I mean, you know, because he was an artist through and through drugs or not, you know, you can really get rid of that. Um, I think you fool yourself into thinking that you need, like that you need to write through the filter of, of, you know, weed or, or, you know, dope or anything like that. But, I don't. I don't necessarily think that it makes music better, or, it, or it's a better like a filter to have on it. Some people would argue, 
that some of these things, like, you know, John Frusciante's records when he was on Dope are, are super far out. And yeah, maybe they add an element, like a filter through it. But I don't I don't think it's a, I, I definitely don't think it's a necessity. I, I you know, I, I smoke pot. I like to, I like to write on, on pot, but I don't, I also don't need it to write lyrics. I've, I've written records where I haven't, you know, haven't smoked at all or done any drugs at all. And like, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think that it's something that's needed for creativity. Not at all. Um, I think if anything, it's something that you, you speak through because you, you want people to know that you're still in there, you know? Yeah, and I like that you brought up the John Frusciante thing because, yes, people will always go to, like, Blood Sugar Sex Magic or Mother's Milk. I'm not sure if he was in addiction at that time, but I know Blood Sugar he was, right? And then you yeah. compare it to his solo stuff that he put out, Shadow, the Shadow Clouds records and those six records. Which I love those records, man. I think they're great. Dude, the Empyrean. But they're, but they're so far out. Exactly. They're, like, they're, like, yeah. they're far out. And, and, and that's it, but that's more creative to me. The, the, the risks are, like, he was sober when he wrote Stadium Arcadium, or, by the way, you know, as a fan knowing yeah. that. I don't know him personally, so I don't want to vouch for it. But you can see that the rock vibe of, of those records, or California Cajun even, the rock vibe of those records was uh, safe. And then when you get to his solo stuff, like he put those six solo records out in that one year, and then I know he, he did with the Empyrean. Like, dude, I mean... Yeah, it's 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 far out for yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's I, mean, I, I just think it's I guess him. there's an yeah. there's an argument for there's an argument for each side, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I definitely don't want to like condone doing heroin to write a record, you know, like absolutely I mean, that, not. Yeah. I can't I can't that's that's like the best thing to 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 speak on, but I will I will say, I mean, you know, it's 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 to each his own. I mean, I know I've heard I don't know personally, but I've heard stories of people who would like you know, just like go like doctors that go to work on oxys. You know, it's like okay, well, maybe that's for you. I don't know. I don't know how many people could actually get by doing that, but the extremes are there for sure. I, um, I mean, luckily none of us have ever really battled with hardcore addiction in, in this band, so we're you know we've been we've been pretty lucky to to not have giant speed bumps like that. But I know people who have, and I've I've watched it firsthand on on many occasions through bands that we know and love. And it's, I mean, it's a motherfucker, man. I mean, and I don't think that you're, again, I don't think that those are the things that are coming through in the music. I think it is like still a part of you that you're, you're reaching out through this, this haze of, of, you know, the substances you are on. Even, even when I, when, you know, I smoke a blunt and try to write lyrics, I'm still, you know, there's a, there's an amount of creativity that will push through, that's still mine. I think that's what we own. It's our intellectual property. It's not, it has nothing to do with the, with the haze that you're under. You know, it's like when you, when you, uh, like when on like Grand Theft Auto, when you'd like take drugs or whatever, and you'd be sluggish and you can't move your character around. Like that's, that's the inner workings of, of what you're doing, but you're still, you know, the in the stuff that comes out of you is in there regardless. And that's, that's kind of the, the thing that I've always had to, because I mean, there was a time where I, I didn't want to play shows unless I was just like, like, unless I was stoned. Like if I, if I didn't, if I couldn't smoke before a show. I was like, I was like, I felt like I was off. Granted, I, I wasn't like, I was still the same, the same person on stage, but it's, 
it's hard to remember those days. You know, it's hard to remember what it's like to play sober when you when you've been you've been stoned for like 200 shows a year. So yeah, I think it's all it's all a matter of your mind frame and like you know conditioning and what you want out of out of out of yourself. You know, I mean, some people like I mean it's the same thing with alcohol. It's not let's not take that out of the equation because I mean. I think that that you know, like Jack Daniels is synonymous with rock and roll, but it's there's a there's a thing that comes the price that comes with that. There's a amount of clouded judgment that comes with that, an amount of like staggering in your in your talent and your playing and your ability to like to be on. And um, I think we've all dealt with that as well. It's like you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not I'm no one to preach sobriety at all. But I but I will say that you know, you take the take it at a cost. I mean, obviously we're, we're dealing with, with day-to-day life. I mean, I believe that cannabis is medicine for sure. Um, but it, it does, it does something to your, to your thought processes. So, um, I can't say that it's, it's not a hundred percent like you're like judgment free or like, you know, unaffected by, by cannabis. But I do think that it's, it has, it does more good than harm. 100% 100% I, I agree with that I think that's proved proven in uh, the fact that we're like now like regulating it and it's it's being um, I guess offered to the to the public now with with federal regulations and whatnot so I think that's a that's mainstay for sure I think I that that I think weed is good I think weed and music are 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 good together but um I'm sure. I'm sure there are people out there that would say heroin and music are good together. I mean, I know. God knows we've lost a lot of rockers to that. So, yeah, the '90s invincibility. That's what of all these guys that I loved. I mean, the I don't want to say the the death toll of of the guys that I grew up listening to, but it was extremely excessive. And I always felt like you yeah. know, with any kind of drug or or alcohol, because I I do. I'm like you. I consider weed kind of on the side. Yes, if you're smoking all day every day you're not going to be a productive human being but i'm talking about it doesn't it doesn't you can focus on it i guess is my point but alcohol yeah you, you can't it's a false strength it's like i'm invisible i'm in, i'm invincible i can try every drug and survive that's a that's a, like a legacy thing and maybe that first stop people feel strong and they feel like a little bit of danger but that's not that's not what you look at you have to look at the end game you know and the end game is yeah. always sad it, man it's a. Uh... It's a crazy. Me and my little mm. brother were talking the other day about how we thought that there was like a, a super villain out there just killing all of the rock stars. <laughs> like we were just like, mm, we're kids, you know, eh? just taking all of these like these. And it, it is. It's like you know, heroin is a fucking like opiates are are crazy. The opioid crisis is like it is an epidemic. There is a huge problem going on right now, especially in the in the rock scene because a lot of these dudes have no, they have no filter and they, they have gotten to the top and it's, I mean, it's lonely, you know, it is a, is a fucking, I mean, with us, you know, we get a hotel room and all cram in there like sardines where we, we are, it's rare to find a moment of, of solace and, um, and to be able to have a moment to yourself on the road. But if you got enough money, you can get a hotel room to yourself. You can stay there for three days on your day off and, you know, and just be there with your best friend and whether that's your best friend or whether your best friend's heroin or your guitar or fucking a watermelon, a bag of heroin, you know, a, a blunt, 
uh, strangers, you know, there's your vices are, are what drive you. And when you, when you have this amount of anonymity on the road and you can do what you want, um, you can, you can get caught up, you know, it's like a fast little whirlwind. Yeah, man. Responsibility in real life. It's, it's almost 12 hours a day, but like on the road when, how much responsibility is there? You know, you're only there, you're temporarily there. You know, it's like, yeah, there's levels, man. Yeah. We, we had this, uh, we've never had this, this like, um, there's, there's never been any real glamor in, in any of this for us. We, we mm. do it because we love it. We love our fans, but you know, we're on, we're on the road. I'd say 75% of our day is in the van driving. You get to the show, you load in, you, you sound check and then, you know, you wait around until time to play and you, you're either playing 30 minutes to an hour and a half max. And then you're either back on the road or you're, or you're, uh, or you're, you're in a hotel room or, you know, in our, we try to get, that's, that's kind of, I mean, to segue out of a, a dark, darker yes, conversation. We, dark. uh, we, we, we've made it a point to, to start staying at campgrounds more often when we can and, and trying to be at places where we are, um, just can put our feet on the ground and maybe jump in a body of water grill out like you know have some tunes on have a beer just like sit back and have a fire like enjoying the outdoors rather than the you know the dark this there's a i mean obviously i love i love a hotel i you know it's the the life we lead a lot of times it's it's an easy fix but if we have a day off or we have a short drive and we can't enjoy like a campground, like a KOA or something like that. It's, it's super important. And it, it really added a level to our touring game and kind of give it, gave us like this family vibe that we were missing. And it, it, it really does something for your soul. You know, we, I, 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 I fancy myself a spiritual person and I, and, you know, being in nature and, and being around families, you know, like at a hotel, you're, you're, you see people looking out the door like suspiciously, but at a, a campground, you're fucking petting their dog, you know? So it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it, it really helps. It really helps. I, I, I implore bands to do that for sure. It's like, um, cause I, I mean, I, I did it. I traveled for 15 years, 12, 15 years without knowing that that was a viable option and that's cheaper. Everybody can get their own little, you know, bath, like, little bathhouse situation go take a shower nobody's waiting in line for the bathroom it's just all the things about about doing that really it it it's a good level up on on the road for sure oh, it's dude. a great thing to do yeah. yeah the power of nature in a moment of silence is priceless especially yeah, in today's it, times yeah it's 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 really needed i mean the people people there i've i've had nothing but i know there was some some recent controversy with the koa and i've i've seen nothing but but decent, decent people and like, you know, people that have treated us with respect and they're genuinely interested in what we're doing. And, and I've, we've never had any problems. Um, and we've stay we stay everywhere from like state parks to KOAs, like little mom and pop RV places, you know, it's usually less than 50 bucks to get a cabin with no bathroom. And then you just use the bathhouse and you're on your way. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing, man, to, to cook over fire and to sit around with your friends and just like, you know, chop vegetables, put them in a little, 
little tinfoil bag and just like have them char up and and eat it. I mean, especially in the winter time when we were doing that, it was a visceral experience for sure. Cool, man. I really like that advice, bands. Listen to that stuff. That sounds like a fantastic thing. And I do want to promote one more thing before I get you off the phone, Skylar. But I want everybody one more time. White Bat. It's coming out June 28th. We're going to play a couple tracks off that record after this interview, guys. But make sure you're pre-ordered and check it out. And let's talk about the headlining dates that you got coming out. Same time they start, June 28th, when the record gets released. It's in the States. It's regional, dude. But what can fans expect in that region from you guys? Well, I mean, it, the, we haven't played a hometown show in, in two years now. So the first date's in our hometown, so that'll be, that'll be dope. It's all pretty regional. Um, I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot more touring on this record, but we just wanted to kind of kick it off the right way and be around friends and family. So, yeah, uh, we'll be up in, in Brooklyn at St. Vitus. We're doing the Electric Factory. Um, quite a few little intimate shows here and there. The one here in Wilmington is at um, our like local punk bar. It's just called Reggie's. It's like a, like a classic little place here. And so that's a, that's going to be really fun. If you're around the area, definitely come check those out. And I would suggest getting tickets cause I'm sure most of them are going to, going to be pretty packed. So um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're like kind of little, bars that we like to play you know clubs that we like we like to be at so um yeah they're they're uh, st vitus in brooklyn is is one of my favorite places on the east coast um yeah there's a lot of a lot of little little gyms like that so bring it we'll be uh we'll be around then and then i'm sure we've got some some news coming up um can't really say anything at the moment but things are happening so yeah Excellent. comes out june 28th so pre-order and get to these shows if you're around the area. Excellent. Celebrate that record, man. It's a great record. Yeah, man. It's, so it's that's it's a different different vibe. I, I I can't say that we've ever had a record come out that has had a vibe as as heavy as this. And it's uh it's definitely a mood. It's a it's a it's a cool. I, I'm in love with it. I love this record. I think it's a great a great thing that's going on. And I'm just everybody's really excited. And the whole it seems like the the community the the rock and metal community is is getting behind it so that's that's exciting in and of itself white bat guys june 28th pre-order it now with that skylar been a fan for a long time so glad man that i finally got to chat with you and yeah man nice talking to you too it was a good little good little morning combo here on the porch
the Metal Sucks Podcast. <laughs>
Metal Sucks Podcast. We are back, guys. First song you heard is off the new record, White Bat, which is coming out June 28th. That one is called Burn All Your Rock Records. Second song, same record. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it. That song is called Boogie Woman. Excellent record, guys. I've been a fan of Huge Legend for a long time. They really knocked it out of the park with this one. And the last song we played, because we talked so much about Blind Melon during the thing, had it to play a little track off the album Soup. That is Toes Across the Floor. So if you guys, because I realize that I'm old. And sometimes when we're talking about these records that are 25 years old that some of you guys don't know about them, there's a taste. Make sure you pick up soup. Make sure you check that one out if you haven't. I want to thank everybody one more time for all the five-star reviews you've given us on iTunes. We really, truly appreciate it, guys. also want to thank everybody who's checked out the other podcast, Rise to Offend. We keep working hard on that one. Thank you guys for that big time. And with that, until next week, 
Happy late Father's Day to all you dads out there. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.